0: If you celebrated Valentine's Day this week, you may have shared a delicious dinner with your loved one, including perhaps a variety of cheeses, or maybe you went all out and did fondue. Ooh, I love fondue. Well, I've got some bad news for week, camembert and brie lovers. A lack of microbial diversity may be putting some of our beloved cheeses at risk of extinction. Oh, no. Joining me to talk about this cheese crisis on the horizon is Benji Jones, senior environmental reporter at Vox based in Brooklyn. Welcome back to Science Friday.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. And sorry, it's not under better terms.
0: Well, sacre bleu, Benji. I mean, must (laughs) we be prepared to bid adieu to our beloved French cheeses? How dire is the situation?
1: Yeah, I was I was very sad while writing this because I'm a fan of brie. But uh, yeah, it's not looking good for some varieties of cheese. So really, those bries and camembert, which are those fragrant white soft cheeses, are kind of at risk of extinction, according to a couple of French scientists that I spoke to at the French National Center for Scientific Research. They're concerned that the microbial diversity needed to make these cheeses is dwindling dramatically. And therefore, we may have trouble making them in the future.
0: Huh, so remind us how these soft cheeses are made. It, it's uh, it's not the most appetizing process, is it?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I love learning about cheese and breads and other foods that are made using microbes because it's this whole invisible world in the foods that we're eating. Right. And so for cheese, it's it's very similar. So you take fresh milk. It's It's cow's milk in the case of brie and camembert. And then the first step is to introduce, usually like a starter, so some bacteria and also rennet. And what that bacteria and rennet will do is curdle the milk. So go from this very smooth liquid to like a gelatinous mixture. And then that produces curds, hence curdling. And then to go from there to cheese, you take the curds, essentially like smush them together and then let them dry out. And different cheeses, whether they're hard or soft, it often is just depending on how big those curds are that you start with, how much moisture there is, and how long you age it for. So, in the case of many cheeses, once you have those curds, the next step is to introduce yet another kind of microbe, which would be yeasts or mold, so different kinds of fungi. And in the case of camembert and brie, they rely on a mold called. Geotrichum candidum, and also penicillium camemberti. And penicillium camemberti is really the quintessential microbe, this mold that gives the camemberts and the breeze that white, fluffy texture and also a lot of their flavor. And that's really where the problem lies with this kind of penicillium mold.
0: Well, what's the challenge here? Why, why is it disappearing? Why can't we just keep it going?
1: Yeah so the the short of it is that the genetic diversity of Penicillium camemberti this mold that is essential for for camembert and for brie is itself potentially going extinct. It's lost all of its genetic diversity. Really, if you look across the world at Camembert and Breeze, any one that you find in the grocery store, the kind of mold used to make that cheese is identical, literally genetically identical. So we're not talking about like different individuals of the same of the same species, but literally it is the exact same individual that has just been cloned over and over again. And the problem with Repeated cloning is that it introduces errors into the genome, or at least it can. And in the case of this specific kind of mold, scientists have found that all that cloning has damaged its genome to the point where it's more difficult to reproduce it, to clone it even at all. And so the 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 fear here is that it's becoming really hard to clone this very specific kind of mold used for camembert and brie, and therefore the supply chain of these cheeses is is threatened. So why do we just rely on this one particular strain? So what's happened over over many decades, at least for a century or so, is that cheesemakers, cheese producers have selected a very specific kind of cheese that they think looks good, smells good, is exactly what we think of when we think of camembert, this fluffy, white, flavorful cheese. And and these cheesemakers discovered that that fluffy white mold that we love is produced by this albino strain of a penicillium mold, and that is the penicillium camemberti. It's an albino strain, and so over time all these cheese makers were like, this is the very specific strain that produces the cheese that looks good, that tastes good, that smells good. So we're going to only use this particular strain to make cheese. And over decades, all the other types of mold that were originally used to make these different cheeses disappeared out of disuse because they wanted this white specific cheese. Wow! And so it's this really intense selection force, like this human driven selection of, of traits that we like in our cheese that have really lost all this genetic diversity. And now we're learning that that comes with some important consequences.
0: This is Science Friday from WNYC Studios. If you're just joining us, I'm speaking with reporter Benji Jones about the cheese crisis on the horizon in France. And so the cheesemakers actually brought this on themselves.
1: That's right. We see this with other foods as well. Consumers often like certain traits they want them all the cheeses that they see in the grocery store to look similar they have expectations and so farmers will select the specific uh, in this case microbes that produce those those phenotypes, those visible and, and physical traits in the cheeses.
0: You know I'm thinking uh, you mentioned other foods. I'm thinking of like the Cavendish banana. Right.
1: Exactly. That's I mean, that's to me like the the clearest parallel over over years. We selected a specific kind of banana that that tastes good, that ripens well, et cetera. And now nearly all bananas that are exported are genetically similar or identical. They're all this Cavendish variety. And in the case of bananas, and this could be true for for cheeses as well, when you have this lack of diversity, it's not just a problem for reproduction in the case of mold, but it can also be a problem when it comes to pathogens. So diseases that could wipe out One banana plant can also wipe out all the other banana plants if they're genetically identical. So diversity is so crucial for resilience when it comes to food and when it comes to really biodiversity at large. Yeah, that's wines too, right?
0: Grapes? kinds of things we make for them? Yes,
1: exactly. Grapes, wheats, coffee, even. I mean, this is especially relevant when we think about the ways in which the planet is changing. It's getting hotter in some areas, drier. And what that means is that you need varieties of food that are more tolerant to things like drought. So making sure that you have that diverse group of plants to pull from to adapt to some of these stressors that are getting worse is, is essential. And, and again, it's just this this tension with over time. Producers just like they they're, they're catering to consumers. And I think a big takeaway when I was doing this story and, like, as, as a cheese lover is, look, we have to just get more comfortable with diversity in our foods. Like, it's okay if the cheese is not perfectly white. It could be a little bit blue, for example, and it, it's still okay.
0: So, yeah, this is a case of not form over function but fashion over function. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. We need, to, we need to be a little bit more concerned with the, 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 the things that make cheese resilient versus exactly what right. it looks like.
0: Well, is there no hope then? for the future of French cheese, or maybe we just have to accept not such beautiful-looking cheese. Like, (laughs) well, that we've been told is the way we should be eating it, right? Because if if I hear what you're saying decades ago, they were very happy eating the, the kind of cheese, right?
1: Exactly. I, what, what I loved, I was talking to these researchers at that at that French research institute that came out with this this finding, and they were saying they looked at historical photos, these old paintings actually of of cheeses, of like cheese platters. You can kind of imagine what you might see in like the Met or something. These really old, right. old, uh, old paintings, and a lot of them had bris or camembert that had very different colors, so oranges and blues and grays and browns, and so. What the what the researchers think is that that was when the diversity of the of the molds used to make camembert and brie were more diverse themselves. And that diversity produces different colors. And the good news for us is that there is still lots of different molds out there that are diverse. So the closely related mold penicillium biforme, which is closely related to penicillium camemberti, naturally occurs in raw milk. And that will likely give those cheeses the same kinds of textures and tastes. It might make their color a little bit different, but that's exactly the kind of mold that we can use. And those are much, much more easy to produce.
0: Well, just like the cheese, Benji, we've run out of time and, and it's time to bid you a fondue farewell. So
1: Yeah, and to, your, and to your listeners, please say a prayer for Camembert, which is the best pun I could come up with.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Benji Jones, senior environmental reporter at Vox based in Brooklyn, New York. Thank you so much.